0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the May 9th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Folson, attorney with Floyd, Skern & Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal ruled that an injured worker cannot assign his workers' compensation structured settlement for cash. Here's what happened in the Matthews v. Liberty Assignment Corporation case, a published opinion. Albert Matthews settled his workers' compensation claim with a structured settlement approved by the WCAB. The settlement provided for monthly payments of $2,800 for life. The settlement agreement provided that the payments to Matthews cannot be accelerated, deferred, increased, or decreased by Matthews. The settlement was funded through an annuity purchased from Liberty Life Assurance Company. Three years later, Matthews filed a request for entry of a clerk's judgment on the workers' compensation award in Superior Court pursuant to Labor Code Section 5806. The clerk entered the judgment in conformity with the order approving compromise and release. He then moved for an order approving assignment of the judgment to WC Funding Group, Incorporated, a factoring company. WC Funding alleged that Matthews had entered into an agreement to assign the award to them. In exchange, he would receive a $40,000 lump sum payment. Matthews wanted to use the money to pay his delinquent mortgage and avoid foreclosure on his house, but the trial court denied his motion, concluding that converting the workers' compensation award to a judgment was prohibited by Labor Code Section 4900. The Court of Appeal affirmed the dismissal in the published opinion. Labor Code Section 4900 says that no claim for compensation is assignable before payment, and the term claim for compensation has been interpreted expansively. The Court then noted that the legislature intended that there should be no assignment of claimant's rights whatsoever, and thus the award should be paid directly to the claimant and to no one else. In a workers' compensation proceeding the WCAB determines all relevant matters when it enters an award. WCAB approval is mandatory. No release of liability or compensation agreement is valid unless it is approved. The terms of the structured settlement was included in the approved compromise and release agreement. Thus, the anti-assignment language became part of the WCAB's award. The Court of Appeal affirmed the dismissal of a City of Los Angeles employee hazing lawsuit. The worker in this case, Rochea Maderer, worked as a typist for the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power. She alleges that fellow employees threatened and verbally abused her in front of approximately 75 fellow employees at an office holiday party in 2012. She claimed that these employees threatened to kick her in the face falsely accused her of engaging in sexual encounters, and accused her of being a racist, a child molester, a liar, a thief, and a rat. Madeira filed a complaint with her managers shortly after the incident occurred. In the absence of a response, she filed a civil complaint in Superior Court. The city successfully removed the case to federal court where the federal law related claims were ultimately dismissed. The federal court then remanded the case back to the state court with respect to the remaining state claims. At that point, the state court sustained the city's demurrer without leave to amend, and the Court of Appeal agreed and sustained the dismissal of her case. Madera's failure to identify a basis for the city's liability pursuant to Government Code Section 815 was sufficient to justify the decision. Workers' compensation appears to be her exclusive remedy in this case. Attempts to establish a basis for RICO claims in workers' compensation cases face an uphill struggle here in California. The Racketeering Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act, commonly referred to as the RICO Act or simply RICO, is a United States federal law. It provides for extended criminal penalties and a civil cause of action for violations of the act. In order to prevail in a RICO action, a plaintiff must prove a predicate offense, one of which is fraud. A plaintiff must also prove a pattern of racketeering activity. This opens the doors to fairly broad discovery rights for information that might prove a pattern of racketeering. A successful plaintiff can recover treble damages plus attorney fees. The plaintiff's bar has sought to apply RICO laws as a penalty in workers' compensation claims for at least a decade with mixed results. Conceptually, they allege that an employer, carrier, or third-party administrator concocts a fraudulent scheme to prevent workers from obtaining fair benefits. But Plaintiff efforts for more than a decade at RICO claims in the federal Sixth Circuit ultimately ended in failure. The federal Sixth Circuit covers the states of Kentucky, Michigan, Ohio, and Tennessee. The Sixth Circuit ruled that RICO cannot be based on an underlying workers' compensation claim. This is because a loss of expected benefits under a worker's compensation does not constitute an injury to business or property specified by the RICO statutes. The plaintiffs then move their efforts to the Ninth Circuit, arguably the most liberal circuit in the federal system. The Ninth Circuit includes California, so the outcome of this case is very important here. The test case was Miller v. York Risk Services Group. Nine plaintiffs in Arizona worked as firefighters for the City of Phoenix Fire Department. The plaintiffs alleged that York worked with the City of Phoenix to wrongfully deny or delay their workers' comp benefits. York moved to dismiss the case based partly on the law from the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, which dismissed similar RICO claims against Sedgwick. But that defense did not work in Arizona. The Arizona federal judge ruled that employees do indeed possess a property right in their workers' compensation benefits. And the case was allowed to proceed. But two years later, and before the case went to trial, it was settled. So the ruling in Arizona was not tested in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And now there's another Ninth Circuit RICO workers' compensation case, this time filed in California. John Black and a group of police officers and firefighters assert a RICO claim against the city of Rialto, the city of Stockton, Corvell Enterprises, York Risk Services Group, and others. These plaintiffs allege a pattern of fraudulently denying and delaying legitimate claims in order to lower the liability of the city. The California federal judge followed the Sixth Circuit decisions and granted the defendant's motion to dismiss, but he gave the plaintiff's leave to amend the complaint for the fourth and last time. It will be important to monitor the City of Rialto case until it reaches its ultimate conclusion. And now our fraud report. A Pomona woman was charged with workers' compensation fraud after investigators found undisclosed medical records showing she had lied about a pre-existing condition. 48-year-old Melissa Halsell of Pomona surrendered at the Pomona Police Department and was booked on one felony count of workers' compensation fraud and one count of attempted perjury after allegedly filing a workers' compensation claim for a pre-existing medical condition and denying she had received prior treatment. She had been working at MV Transportation for three months when she filed a workers' compensation claim alleging she was injured. An investigation revealed she had pre-existing injuries and had received prior medical treatment for them. During a deposition, Halsell denied ever receiving treatment. The claim was ultimately denied after her extensive undisclosed medical records were discovered. Bail is set for $30,000. This case is being prosecuted by the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. And video surveillance at a gym led to another claimant arrest, 45-year-old Johanna Mangola Paredes of Bellflower was arrested on two felony counts of workers' compensation insurance fraud. She allegedly misrepresented her injuries to collect nearly $40,000 in disability payments. Paredes claimed she injured her right wrist while working at the UCLA Medical Center. But video evidence revealed Paredes was able to exercise at a gym using her right hand and right shoulder with no limitations. The PQME stated she had misrepresented her injuries and he would not have authorized additional benefits had he seen the video surveillance earlier. Paredes was booked by the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department and her bail was set at $30,000. The case is being prosecuted by the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. And a school district custodian has been arrested for workers' compensation fraud. 42-year-old Timothy Lowe's of Corona was arrested on two felony counts of insurance fraud for allegedly submitting a fraudulent workers' compensation claim. He was working as a custodian for the Baldwin Park Unified School District when he claimed he suffered an injury to his right shoulder and elbow. Lowe's was treated for the injury but claimed continued pain that he was limiting his physical abilities. But video evidence revealed he was able to lift an all-terrain vehicle into and out of his pickup truck. Detectives also discovered he was involved in CrossFit training and rock climbing during the time he claimed to be injured. Lowe's PTP said that Lowe's misrepresented his physical limitations and should not have missed any time from work after reviewing this video. Lowe's was booked into the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department and is currently also out on $30,000 bail. This case is also being prosecuted by the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. And a Valencia physician pleads guilty to a $2.4 million fraud. But he is still licensed to practice medicine in California. 61-year-old Gary J. Ordog, M.D., pleaded guilty in federal court to one count of health care fraud. He will be sentenced on August 18. He is a physician specializing in toxicology and admitted he submitted false and fraudulent claims to Medicare, for purported office visits and other services that he never provided. Some of his patients were deceased well before the purported dates of services, and some of his services were provided on dates and times when he was out of the area and at times outside the United States. At times, he claimed to have provided more than 24 hours of services in a single day and he fabricated patient records to support these claims. Overall, he admitted he submitted almost $2.5 million in false and fraudulent claims. But despite these admissions, Ordog continues to be fully licensed as a physician in California. The California Medical Board seems to be slow to respond to his current admitted multi-million dollar fraudulent medical practice. And an Orange County gardener has been jailed for working while on temporary disability. 56-year-old Alberto Gonzalez of Stanton pleaded guilty to three misdemeanor counts of making fraudulent statements to obtain workers' compensation. He was sentenced to 90 days in the Orange County jail, three years of informal probation, and was ordered to pay $150 to the fraud assessment fund. Prior to the plea, Gonzalez paid full restitution of nearly $30,000 to the insurance company of the West. Gonzalez, who at the time was working as a gardener for MS Landscape, claimed that he was injured on the job when he slipped and fell. He reported the injury to his employer but continued to work. Gonzalez then complained that his pain was increasing and was sent to a doctor by the employer, and a workers' compensation claim was initiated. During the course of the claim, his complaints increased, and he convinced the doctor that he could not perform all of his duties as a gardener. His doctor subsequently put him on modified duties, which the employer could not accommodate. So the insurance company started paying him temporary total disability. Gonzalez told the investigator that he had given his side business to his brother and stated he had not actively worked in his own gardening business in over a year but his employer saw the defendant doing gardening work at Kino's Restaurant in Anaheim and reported this to their insurance broker and the insurance company. Surveillance video confirmed Gonzalez providing gardening services to another business in Cerritos, Alpha Scientific Corporation. The owner of Alpha Scientific told the Orange County District Attorney and the California Department of Insurance that Gonzalez had provided guarding services for their business since 2007. And the owner of Kino's Restaurant also verified that the defendant had been providing guarding services for their business for years. This case was investigated and brought to the Orange County District Attorney by the California Department of Insurance. Deputy District Attorney Pamela Lieto of the Insurance Fraud Unit is prosecuting this case. And in medical news, utilization of opioid painkillers in California Workers' Compensation System has expanded to the point where they now compromise the single largest category of medications prescribed to injured workers. And a number of CWCI studies have tracked this growth. An analysis published in 2014 showed that except for a brief dip following SB 899 in 2004, use of Schedule II opioids has risen steadily, increasing nearly sixfold from 1.3% of all workers' compensation prescriptions in 2002 to a record 7.3% in 2013. The study also noted that payments for painkillers had increased from 4% in 2005 to nearly 20% of all prescriptions in 2013. But now a new CWCI report shows that several measures of opioid utilization that increased in the first several years have declined in recent years. The number of opioid prescriptions per user, which peaked at 4.43 in 2009, has now declined to 4.1 in 2012. And the average number of morphine equivalents per opioid prescription, which peaked at 550 in 2007, has declined to 422 in 2012 and opioid prescriptions, which peaked at 31.8% of all prescriptions in 2008, has declined to 27.2% in 2014. But even with the recent decline, opioids have remained the number one prescription category in both use and payment since 2006. The CWCI concluded that these recent trends are positive, but, It will be important to monitor them and explore what may be driving them in the future. The annual list of the most common causes of death in the United States is compiled by the Centers for Disease Control. It is created using death certificates filled out by physicians, funeral directors, medical examiners, and coroners. But a major limitation of the death certificate is that it relies on assigning an International Classification of Disease code to the cause of death. As a result, causes of death not associated with an ICD code, such as human and system factors, are not captured. But now a new study published in the British Medical Journal claims that medical errors are incredibly common and may now be the third leading cause of death in the United States. These errors claim over a quarter million lives every year, more than respiratory disease, accidents, strokes and Alzheimer's disease. The New medical error category includes everything from bad doctors to more systemic issues, such as communication breakdowns, when patients are handed off from one department to another. The study author said that it boils down to people dying from the care that they receive rather than the disease for which they are seeing care. The issue of patient safety has been a hot topic in recent years, but it wasn't always that way. In 1999, an Institute of Medicine report calling preventable medical errors an epidemic shocked the medical establishment. The IOM report, based on one study, estimated deaths because of medical errors as high as 98,000 a year. But this new research involves a more comprehensive analysis of four large studies including ones by the Health and Human Services Department's Office of the Inspector General and the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality. And some experts say that the surprising thing about medical errors is the limited change that has taken place since the IOM report came out in 1999. Only hospital-acquired infections have shown improvement. Other than that, the overall numbers have not changed. And that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Skern & Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. And please drop by again next week for more news.